Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. I was encouraged by a brother, not real who knew I was sharing today to start with the title because it gives everybody a heads up of what to expect. So I'm going to give you an oxymoron as a title, which is make a sound in silence. It makes no sense, right? Because once you make a sound in silence, it's not silence anymore. But what I want today, when I ask today, is to have an open mindset of what silence really means. And I hope we catch that today. Silence is not necessarily being quiet. So where we're going to go today is Psalm 46, right? And to give you a little back history on this, Psalm 46, um, I'm probably going to, I'm going to start with that, with one of the ending of Psalm 46, because they're going to be like, oh man, I've heard that before. Somebody has actually encouraged me with that verse, right? So it goes to this, Psalm 46, 10, it goes, be still and know that I am God. Raise your hands. Who's heard that one before? All right, a lot, right? That's good. That's a good one. Even on Caleb, the verse of the day today is be still and know that I am God. They have the most engaging, corny voices, right? I love it. Okay. I will be honored by every nation, and I will be honored throughout the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes and amen to that, right? So it's used for encouragement a lot. We've been encouraged with that. But I want to say right now, let's... Let's think about the context of when this psalm was written, okay? Um, we don't know who wrote it. It could, it, it could have been David. It's part of, part, it could have been David, but it's, it, it doesn't say. What I do know, what we do know is that it was written during a time of war, a time of invasion, and possibly even destruction, right? And I want you already to put that in your mind right now because in our lives, we have faced invasion. We have faced some type of destruction. We have faced some type of sorrow. So I admire whoever wrote this because during that time, they had the heart, the pure heart, the pure mind to write this. Right? So in the Hebrew, be still, and and Cito's not here today. Um, you have to do a throaty, a throaty H. That's how you do it. All right? So Rafa. That's how you pronounce it, Rafa, okay? It means to properly cast down, to let fall, to let hang down, then to be relaxed, to be slackened, especially the hands, standing still, silence. Oh, wow, it's up there. This is amazing, okay? So the deeper it goes, it's also employed in a sense of not making an effort. That's what I got from it, right? There's no, there's no effort there. So stand still, there's no effort. Not putting forth extortion. Let me keep drilling it. And then the word would express the idea of leaving matters with God. Of being without anxiety about the issue. Did we get the answer already what, what the definition of standing still means? To be anxiety without the issue. So you're literally leaving it in God's hands. Nothing with you. You're standing still. You're being silent. You're laying down. 
I don't know about you, but I'm, but I'm definitely one who loves being in control and knowing what the outcome is going to be. I think all of us inside, deep down, have some sense of that. And we can go back to humanity's case. Why do people in the, were going to the soothsayers and the fortune tellers? Did they really care what the future was going to be? I think they just wanted to know that it was peaceful, they were going to be okay, that everything's going to turn out all right. But God's saying, that's not giving trust in me. You're trusting in yourself. Want to hear a, a tickle in your ear of what makes you feel good. But that's not necessarily probably what's best for us. Amen? Okay. So, no anxiety. There was to be calm. A confiding, trustful state of mind in view of the display of the presence and divine power. Man, standing still sounds pretty loud to me. And standing still sounds what our prayer life should be. No anxiety. Experiencing his divine power and presence. Man, there's something about there that I find rest in that. That sounds restful to me. The mind was to be calm. I'm my worst, worst enemy. I hope, I hope I say that right. This guy sometimes does not shut off. It's getting better, right? I've actually had to put an effort to work to it for he can be quiet. Because sometimes he just keeps saying the worst things to come, not the best things to come. Okay? Which is funny, the worst never happens. Something else does, right? So in the view of that, God has intervened and has shown that he is able to defend his people when surrounded by dangers. Let me read that again. The mind was to be calm in the view of the fact that God has intervened and has shown that he was able to defend his people when surrounded by dangers. Okay? So with that comes said, your situation doesn't define you. We struggle so much with the expectation of what people look at us when we're going through a certain situation that we feel we have to exceed that expectation, so even the ones that we put ourselves. But that experience and that situation doesn't define who you are. Your attitude, your faithfulness is what defines what you are. Why do I want to say that? Because the disciples, if you look at it from a worldly view, the apostles, they left everything they had, fishermen, taxpayers, whatever they were, they followed Jesus, then they ended up being murdered and one cast in an island to the day he died. There. So if you look from the outside, it would be like, they lost everything. Yeah, but they gained everything truly when you look at it from a spiritual point of view. So that expectation that we put on ourselves might be the one that is wrong because we got to satisfy the status quo. But the one that God has for you and revealed to you is so much greater. It's coming to a sense that really what happens to us here doesn't matter. As long as we gain the ultimate goal of being with him in heaven. But as human and carnal that we are, we keep reminded of we got to be successful here. You got to achieve this here. You got to have this here. You got to be busy here. You got to do this here. More, 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 more here when it's all going to go away and rot. You know what's scary? Think about this. Think about what a true legacy is. How many of you can name your great-great-grandfather or grandmother? I can't. I can't. And today we heard memorial stones. 
Man, I hope that my great-great-grandchildren know that this old man one day left a memorial stone of what God did in his life and is going to do in their life. That was a great word that Rigo gave to us this morning already. That's what I want. I want that when they go, because guess what? This world's going to get worse. I want that they can go back to those memorial stones and be like, nah, my great-great-grandfather, Maori Maestu, man, he was full of fault because I hear he had an attitude, huh? Yeah, but he was faithful to God. Let, 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 let that overcome. Let, yeah, say that. Hey, yeah, yeah. He was human. He was emotional. He was all this. But he loved God with all his heart. Let them find fault, but find fault in that. Right? So I want to reply, re, go back to this. How you respond by standing still and being in awe of God during your situation. So today... I choose for God's promises to define me. His promises, his words are alive in truth. Right? And I wrote this. I am chosen, not forsaken. Okay? So we're going to read the whole psalm now. And I'm going to break down maybe verse 1 and 2. And we'll go 3 and 4 when we're going to break down to it. But it starts with this. And this, and this really caught the eye. It goes, for the choir director... A song of the descendants of Korah to be sang in a soprano voice. So many times I'll be, I'll overlook that part, right? Because, oh, yeah, it's instructions how to sing this song. But it was probably the Levites, a group of Levites that were instructed, hey, in, when you worship, worship it like this. Uh, in a soprano voice, these people are to sing and to do it. But today, that was more pre-cross. The veil was torn already. So today, I could come if I'm reading, reading this song and be like, this is you. You sing with the soprano voice, as whatever voice you got. You bring this worship today. So when I say that God's promises, I stand in that truth, is because sometimes in our situation, we need to be reminded of his goodness. Sometimes in our situation, in our struggle, our whole Mark said today at 930, in our mess, it's good to declare that God's promises is goodness in our life. So when you go to that, remember, you have been giving authority. You are the people of Korah today. To go and sing this unto the, unto the Lord. It doesn't take a Sunday worship service for you to get into a worship state of mind. Man, it's hard for me to say that because a lot of times I thought that's the only time I can get hyped up. We do it in the car sometimes, right? But how about the time where it's so hard to pray because you feel so overwhelmed? I hope, I hope I'm talking to the right people today. That, that I said it today, it's so hard to even say the word God. Those are the moments where it's good to be in awe of God and let it all out and remember his promises and declare his goodness over your life. Okay? So the first one, God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in the timeless troubles. Man, so this guy's in, this guy's in war. He's probably, he's probably being defeated. Let's just be honest. It's probably That wasn't a victory day that day. That's why I want to talk about it today. So he, but he declares... God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So God is for us as a place to which we may flee for safety, a source of strength to us in danger. The first word refuge from a verb meaning flee and then to flee to in Hebrew means kasa or is to take shelter in. So when we read the first is God is our refuge and strength is take shelter in the Lord. 
and he will help you in the times of trouble. Man. And we went to, then I went to Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. Solomon wrote the Proverbs. Wisest man ever lived. And he's telling you that in the times of trouble, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. Is declared, you are safe in the fortress of the Lord. But we have to get there. Stand still. Be in awe. Okay? The word strength implies that God is a source of strength to those who are weak and defenseless. Or that we may rely on his strength as if, if it were our own. Or that we may feel safe in his strength as though we had our strength ourselves. We may make the basis of our confidence. So long story short, we say that God is our strength and our refuge. You take that what is in you in the fortress that you're hanging, that you're hanging in, in Jesus, and the strength becomes yours like if it's your own. My problems already start starting to look a little bit smaller right now. And it's funny. I'll be the first one to say, yeah, you can say that when uh, the person you love had a stroke, can't even speak. It sucks. But God doesn't. Somehow, some way, there's still joy, and I know that we were overcome. You hear the worst news. Man, I'm sorry. As a parent, it must be horrible news, the expectation of knowing we got to do an exam to see if it's cancerous or not. For those who don't have kids yet, you will see what I'm talking about. But yet, somehow, some way, the peace of God intervenes and says, is anything that will happen because I ordained it, but my strength is found in me, and you will overcome this. Come to my fortress. That's the only way you can get through the life. Come into his fortress. But when you come into his fortress, there's a sound in that silence. When you come into that fortress, what are we going to do? We're going to worship and be in awe of God. So everything around us is destruction, war, a mess. But inside this very space right here is joy, love, conquering, redemption. redemption. Amen? Water break? Nah. <laughs> Verse 2, it goes, so we will not fear. Look at this declaration. We will not fear when earthquakes come. How many can say that today? Don't raise your hand. Maybe you can't say that today, but I, I, we, we're going to declare that by the end of today, you will be able to say that today. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Selah. That's Selah. Some, once we learn what Selah was, it's been rocking me. Stop and think. Marinate on that for a minute. So I just declared, so we will not fear when earthquakes come. This person is speaking straight to that, to that, to that problem saying, I'm not going to fear you. You're going to come at me, but I'm not going to fear you. And guess what? It's going to earthquake, and it might fall down and be destroyed, but I'm still not going to fear it. The oceans might even overtake me. A tsunami might even come and just overtake me. I will not fear yet. I'm in my fortress. I'm in my safe zone. The psalmist declared no fear. Remember the shirts? He's wearing a no fear shirt right now. He's saying, I declared no fear. But what he never declared was no pain. 
There's a big difference there. He declared no fear. He never declared no pain. So when I when destruction comes, and some of us can can can, I thought of Megiddo, right? And in Revelation sixteen sixteen, for those who are not familiar with Megiddo, is it's um it's, it says I wrote it down a little bit better so I can it says we know according to the text that in that vicinity the enemies of Israel will one day assemble to attack, and the end result will be Jesus and his bridegroom descending down on the same way he ascended up, and every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord forever. Right? You wrote like that. So we know that the, at the end of times, that's where the last battle is going to be, right? Israel's there, and the whole world is going to surround her to attack her and destroy her. So the thing about Megiddo, though, is that it's been destroyed 25 times already. The actual site has been destroyed 25 times, and it's been rebuilt 25 times. But it's been rebuilt on top of itself. Um, somebody who um, is here wore like 25 hats to symbolize how it is ridiculous to build on top of each other, right? Just keep rebuilding. Oh, it's destroyed. Just build it on top of it. It's all good, right? We learned that much death has come at Megiddo. But I, but I tell you this, just like Megiddo's history, we all have some sort of history of defeats in our life. I haven't won every battle. Um, it may be sin, addiction, pain. How about anger? How about even suffering a loss? Uh, Yandy, you spoke to me big right now when you said 10 years and your mom. Because I still miss my mother-in-law to this day. And it's funny. Um, there's anger and pain there too. And you'll be like, I loved her so much. Like she was my mom. But... There's peace and refuge in my fortress. And the best thing about it, I'm going to see her again one day. That's a peace in his fortress. My mind tells me, oh, man, you miss her. Your life would have been so much better with, with her right now. Man, God's ways are not my ways. I'm in his fortress. He, he will not do to harm me. But I know that his promise is that I will be with her one day and see her again. There's joy there. So in my sorrow, tears are gone. Joy comes back. I declare the Lord's goodness. If Use that as an example if you need to. Use many other examples as you need to. Because the last, the, what I want to pretty much harp to you is that our life is not going to be easy. Our life, we will see defeat. We, we will see death. We will see unfairness. We might not be prosperous. We might go bankrupt. Lot lost it all, didn't he? I'm... I'm Sorry, not like Job. Job lost it all, right? But he didn't find everything in that. He found it in the Lord, and everything was restored to him twofold. But it's funny because I'm pretty sure as a parent, he still missed those children that passed away. But the, the joy was this. This was his fortress. So I want to come with that with today, saying that stop rebuilding upon that which only brought destruction in your life. For some of us, it's been generations that have been that. Like, you know, the family line, like, oh, my dad was an alcoholic. I got to be an alcoholic. My dad was a womanizer. I got to be a womanizer. There's addiction that runs through my family of mental health all the way through, and it might even come to my... No. I'm going to stop building on that. The curse broke with you. And one thing I'm going to tell you this. 
that we keep saying the good works, the good works, the good works, don't do works, don't do works, because it's this. Jesus came and, and just broke over the law, right? So if we keep going to trying to be a good person, to try to build something right, then what Jesus told us is really leading us to death then. So who's the liar? Jesus ain't the liar. I don't think Jesus is leading me to hell. On the contrary, he's leading me to eternal life with him. So know that. Stop building upon that. Stop building on your destruction. Stop building on those lies that you want to get reminded of or, or you see turmoil around you. Build it on the fortress. Ascend to the mountain of the Lord. Stand firm on the mountain of the Lord. Because what I want to do is that when those storm comes, the, the earthquake is going to happen around me because it will happen. I'm still standing still, baby. My shake. There's an earthquake around me. I'll shake. But how we learn, I'm not going to deviate to the left or the right, though. Like last week, right? It's coming. The water's going to hit my face. The winds are blowing to knock me down. But I'm in my fortress. The Lord is with me. There is peace here. There's joy here. Even though defeat is around me, there's victory in this little spot right here where I'm at right now. Hallelujah. So in that moment, confess with your heart. Be in awe. Stand still. Verse 4 goes, a river brings joy to the city of our God. The sacred home of the Most High. A river brings joy to the city of the Most God. So the psalmist has just been talking about destruction. And all of a sudden he comes from earthquakes and this, destruction all around me. And then all of a sudden it's gone. He goes... <laughs> Then he goes, a river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. And it's funny, it brought me to that song of, um, I know a place where we can go. When I was practicing preaching, I saw everybody singing this song. Anyway, we can put the lyrics up there? No, okay, okay, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. Let me, let me just put the part that I thought we were all going to sing, all right? It goes, I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down, eating your soul. I know a place where mercy flows, takes the stains, make you whiter than snow, like a tide is rising up deep inside, a current that moves and makes it come alive, living water. That brings the dead to life. Oh, I'm going down to the river. And why do I love that? Because where he was writing that he had oceans overthrowing him with rough waters, right? Foaming, just overtaking him. He goes, but still, there's a river going right down the middle that is peaceful and full of life. We all know who that river is, right? If not, Jesus is the river. He's the living waters, a steady stream going right down the middle of your destruction. How cool is that? Trouble all around you, hurt all around you, mess all around you. But in your fortress, right down the middle of your very core, you got a steady stream of living waters. That's saying, come and drink. Man, God is so good. And why is that important? Because verse 5 says, God's, God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. So, are they, so 
the psalmist is telling you today. God dwells in you. We've already been seeing that. God has been speaking that for over a month and a half already, that I am in you, you are in me. So God dwells in you. You cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect you. But I have to be honest with this. I'm not talking about your carnal temple. I'm talking about your soul. Why do I say that? Because Jesus' temple got destroyed and in three days it rose again. Who are we not to suffer the same stripes that he did? Some of us might not go as deep. But the only thing I can promise you, which was promised to me with God declaring it, is that I will protect you. You will not be destroyed. God is in you and you are with him. He abides in you as you abide in him. So no destruction will come to your soul. We have grown from coming to his feet with our alabaster oil to him declaring that we have now moved on to our next step in the relationship of him being with us and us being in him. That's amazing what's happening in our nest. Because for a past year, we, we went from presence. Man, you remember that? Oh, come, 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 come in presence. Come, come to his feet. Come with your alabaster oil. And then there's... It's still there. It's important, but there's been a shift now to I'm in you. You are in me. We're having communion. I'm so excited and can't wait for the next revelation of what relationship is with Christ because it's coming to our nest. So it's important that if, if you haven't been here for the first two, let's catch you up. Catch a revelation. You come to his feet with your alabaster oil. What's alabaster oil? With your very best. With what? Cost you everything. Well, it's going to cost you everything in your, in, in your livelihood and bring it to his feet. Bring it to his altar. Bring it to him. There's nothing more beautiful than saying, here, Lord, take my every desire. Take my every want. Have your way with it. Can I attest to something? I did that with my wife. I don't want to bore you with, with, with well, it's not a boring. It's not, oh, man, she, she, when she hears that part, she's going to be like, what? I, I don't want to get into the logistics of it, but long story short, there was a time that me and Alex broke up over a miscommunication when we were dating. It was, and I cried like I haven't cried through every heartbreak before, right? And I remember sitting in one of those chairs in the middle during midweek service, and it was a prayer service. And the word that day was, come to the altar of the Lord and just put it here in the fire, consuming fire, and let the Lord burn it up. And I told God, all my hurt, all my everything is separating me from you because I can't constantly think about this because I love her so much. But you know what? Here it is. Consume it. Do as you wish with it. And two weeks later, she calls me on the phone, which she never called me. I was on the one who has to instigate it. Alex is old-fashioned. I love that about her. And she hit me with the, what haven't you called me? <laughs> and I was in a buddy's house, right, because you have to keep busy, right, during heartbreak? And I remember that it was like, I go, I got to go. <laughs> and look at us now, seven years later. God is good. God is good. So I tell you that for the ones that are still single and saying that, you know what, everybody else around me is married or having kids and doing that, man, just trust in God. Stay in his fortress. He knows the desires of your heart. 
He's not there to hurt you or harm you with that. He's not there to wave it in front of you and tempt you with it or tease you with it. He knows the desires of your heart. Be faithful to him in it. Stay in your fortress. Have peace. Let the river come through. Because what's very important is this, is that if we don't come with that alabaster oil and declare his goodness and declare everything, why do we really, we're not going to appreciate that anyway. That's going to rot and destroy because we put that before him anyway. One of the secrets to marriage or to even friendship and relationships, base it on God. Let God first. That's all it is. It's a secret to life. This all will end one day. This won't. It won't. So no destruction will come to your soul. So the nations are in chaos and the kingdom crumbles. Sorry. The nations are in chaos and, the, and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and melts the earth. I love how you wrote that. But what's crazy is that this was written th- about 3,000 plus years ago. And so much has not changed with humanity. Why do I say that? Are the nations in chaos right now? Put on CNN, put on Fox News, put on Deco Drive, even that. <laughs> That's getting kind of serious. I had to put that there. Um, we're in chaos right now, man. We are in chaos. There's a far left, the far right, the far middle. There's everything. We're not getting along. There's rumors of war. There's rumors of destructions. We're in chaos. And that was, that's, that's now. 3,000 years ago, was, there was chaos as well in the, in the world. So something tells us about humanity that we're not good. We cause a lot of problems. We hide in the wrong fortresses and we build again on top of the wrong things. Instead of building up again on the mountain of the Lord. You have a very important responsibility in your family's life, in your generation's life, in your calling. Which is right now is standing firm on the mountain of the Lord and building those memorial stones and building that fortress on the rock Jesus. Your decisions are going to impact many generations after you. And it might not necessarily be a son or daughter. It could be a friend who is like family. Because we, we say that we love, some, we love some friends more than family. We all have a crazy aunt and uncle. I know it. We do. Your relationship with God, your way about going in life, your way of having joy and faith and being in awe when you're standing still has repercussions. You just can't see them because we're so carnal that we're caught up in the what? The right now. Now I, knew, now I do need a water break. So we're all going to look at Angel awkwardly. Distraction. I even got the wrong water, but it's all good. All right. So let's read that again. No, no, let's go verse, verse, verse 7, sorry. Man, we're speeding through. This is good. The Lord of heaven's armies is with us. The Lord of heaven's armies is with us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Selah. That's major. 
the is with us part, right? Because that means that God is on our side. That means that God is our defender. The Messiah. That's a, that's a public decoration of the Messiah. So we can find that in Isaiah 7.14. And it says, all right then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. So the Lord of heaven's armies is with us. Emmanuel. God with us. Man, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous of you and, 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 and Betsy just because, uh, not because of the, of, the, of the platform, because how beautiful the sound to sing, to sing good, right? My voice is cracking. I can't even hold up. I got to say this. There's nothing to do with what I'm preaching, but remember we were in youth group one time in Living Proof. Tito, do you remember the one day you told me, can you sing, come here and try? And he, he, he has a horrible memory. <laughs> I actually got a, I, 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 I attempted to sing. And he goes, do it with a microphone. For what? I think I'm the first person he goes, all right, brother, thank you. You cannot sing. <laughs> 19 years old, dream just crashed. Because <laughs> to the Lord, I sound like Mark Anthony. Just, <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Just saying. Betsy, just thank you, Betsy. Yes and amen. Oh, my God, Betsy. For the recording Betsy sent to the Lord, I sound better than Mark Anthony. Let it be recorded. 11.30 on December 9th. And, and I'm, pretty much, I'm, I'm pretty much wrapping up. Wrapping up already. Um, so let's just, I'm just going to read it again because it flows to this. It comes, come see. The glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. How he causes the wars to end throughout the earth. And this is what I wrote and this is what I hope that we grasp at the end of our standing still and being in awe of God is this. Is that standing still actually causes our ascension up. Why do I say that? Because with our feet on the rock, being silent, with listening ears towards God and worship and awe, when you finally truly see around you, you notice that you were standing on the mountain of the Lord the whole time that will not crumble. So while everything around you was destruction, was falling down, you were going up. And your ascension will cause marvel to everybody around you that would not understand how there's joy, peace, and love there and hope when all around you is just destruction, earthquakes, and tsunamis, but yet you are up on the mountain of the Lord. So I hope and I pray that the Lord takes the scales from our eyes and we can start looking and we can look down because we're so up. All from a single love song, a psalm. And what's crazy with that ascension of us is that he descended so we could ascend. Let's never forget that. Let's stay in the awe of that. 
he descended from his throne so we can ascend to his throne. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Regal's words, that's a good time for a clap offering. And what's cool about this psalm is, I'm going to read the last part of it, is that for three-fourths of it, the psalmist is just writing a declaration, a love song unto the Lord. Uh, Isaiah Keys, you want to come up? We're good. You know what, Ken? I admire this kid, and he probably doesn't even know that. As many, oh man, with your permission, with not knowing what I'm going to say, I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's, his faithfulness to God is major, and I'll tell you why. Being part of the finance team, I see a lot of things that are hard for people to do. I'll be honest. Tithing and everything, is, it's, it's hard. And I want to want to boast in this kid as being so young, he's faithful to the Lord in every area of that. And I want to tell you, Isaiah, something as small as that is major to me. It just sees the numbers coming in all day. Because I love when I see a youth, which doesn't matter the youth, but his faithfulness towards God and trust in God. When all around them is destruction and, and, and causing him not to do that. So, I honor you, bro. I know he doesn't, yeah, it's cool. It's funny. You don't know the impact you have on others by your awe and standing still in God. Okay? I told it to his dad one day, and his dad started crying. And then, and then I started crying. I'm like, good job, dad, good job. <laughs> the boogers so to get back to it, the psalmist writes three-fourths of the psalm as a love song and declaration, a reminder when he's on that fortress, right? Because he needed to be reminded, man, there's destruction all around me. I see no hope. I'm going to declare God's goodness, right? But yet in the three-fourths is him. And then the last one, the Lord speaks. So it's so cool that we're in awe of him. We're in the fortress. We're declaring things onto him. And at one moment, the Lord is going to speak directly right to you. He will have ear, let him hear. So be open to that. And ready? Be prepared for that. Be prepared to come in standing still and being in awe of God and for you just to be quiet for one moment in that and let the Lord speak. Because I can, many in this room can attest, prayer is not one way. Prayer is a conversation. Our prayer life is a conversation with God. And you know very well with the person next to you right now, if you don't have a conversation daily with them, there, no, there won't be a relationship. There won't. And there's something special about communal prayer. Man, and I want to say that because I was joking with Regal in the back. I make, I make very inappropriate jokes sometimes. And it, this is what it is. I go, he goes, oh, remember, I'm, I'm reminding him, we have two midweeks. He goes, okay, I go, you should make a joke to the church saying, hey, Let's play prayer roulette. You don't know which one's going to be, which, which Wednesday. Because the growing trend is that if we know when prayer is on Wednesday, we're not showing up. Church, we're not. We're failing in that, man. We're failing in that only one voice is the one screaming out right here. 
We don't have communal prayer here. We don't. Shame on me for that too. That I depend on somebody with a guitar to bring me into worship sometimes. That I depend on my pastor who has everybody's burdens on his shoulders to lead me in prayer. Aren't I on the fortress of the Lord? Come on, heaven's armies. Come on, God people. We're busy. We are. I get it. We're tired. Man, but not tired, what a sacrifice and worship to come together in this little warehouse with a broken. <laughs> I, I need a I need a four by four to get into this parking lot already. Am I right with that? Because it's awful. But let's come together on Wednesday, and just worship God. Let's come together this Wednesday. Tell Rigo, you're not gonna share today. We're gonna we're we're gonna pray. How crazy would that be? It'd be like, no, but I got a word. Yeah, save it for next week. Today, Nest Church. We're going to pray to God together. We don't know the words we're going to say, and it's hard. I'm embarrassed of what I might even yell out, but guess what? It doesn't matter. A couple weeks ago, he said, will you yell with me? What came of that? Get the authority to come and yell with us on Wednesday. It's one of those like, it's, it's, it's hard to clap on that one. If I clap, I got to show up. Oh, my God. I, I don't want the destruction already around me to consume me. I want God's people to come together. And when I can't, I'm so burdened that I can't even yell and scream, that you do it with me for me. Let's start lifting each other's arms up, church. Let's come in that fortress together. Nest Church is special because we worship God together with it, with authentic hearts for God and for people. Omar, today at 9.30 is getting sad too. It's only the leaders and people that serve here. Let's come together. Let's set the stage. You know what we're doing at 9.30? We're praying for one another. We're praying for these empty seats. You know what we're doing at 930? We're thanking God for the prayer request that he's already heard, that he's delivered. And like in Sophia's case, that he will deliver. We're making war at 930 already. We're not waiting for 10 o'clock. We're in the fortress of the Lord. And my fortress is here. My fortress is in my quiet place. My fortress is everywhere when he's with me. But let's step up together as a church that we are. We say we're a family. We're a church family. Let's act like it. Why do I always have to bring the hard stuff to say, bro? This is hard, man. I can see how Jesus looked in Jerusalem and wept. I can see it. Let's come together, man. We need to unite more. You're loved. You really are. It's not just a saying in this church. Like Omar said, if this was just about us and a saying of what we do here, put on a show, then we're going to walk away and put the mic down because it's not even about that. It's about hopeless people, hopeless world coming together to, to worship the one that's true and spread that love and change the way in this life. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shield with fire. Why is that important? 
because this expression refers to the custom of collecting spoils after a war in a heap and setting it on fire. So they will go to war. They will win a war. They'll get all the gold, all the stuff, all the swords, everything, the wagons, everything, and set it on fire. They will destroy it. Why? So it can never come back to attack them ever again. And right now the psalmist is declaring, all your destruction, all your mess, everything that's coming against you, I will take it, I will destroy it, and set it on fire so it can never attack you again. So that mess you're in, that hurt you have in your heart, that frustration for some of sin, shame, loneliness, anxiety, unfaithfulness, some type of ism, whatever it is, getting your fortress in his fortress. Let him get those, make it to a heap, and he will set it on fire. And I, he declares, you will never see those Egyptians again. Salah. Lord, you take what is used against me, Lord. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And you take that weapon, oh God, you throw it on and you set it on fire, Lord, for it can never attack me again, oh God. But that truly happens, Lord, when I stop rebuilding on top of that hurt, Lord. And I come to your fortress, oh God. And there's an awe in my silence, Lord. And then in verse 10 to 11, the Lord speaks now and says, be still, be in awe, and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation I will be honored throughout the world what does that mean something as simple those that's not talking to a believer that's talking to the people that don't believe he will be honored by those lips as well because everyone will see your ascension up on the mountain of the Lord the Lord of heaven's army is among us God of Israel is our fortress. Selah. Stand up with me, please. A simple love song. That's what a psalm is. A simple prayer of standing still being in awe of God brings us victory. I encourage you to remember that whatever's happening in, in, in your very life is temporary. To the point that tomorrow we can go and be with him. And the ones that stay will be sad, but you won't be. Because you'll be in the glory of the Lord. It's crazy talk, right? It doesn't make any sense to the other ones. But those that have the Spirit, you know what I'm talking about. So I do pray that if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll be like, that's a crazy man speaking up there. I do pray that you give God a chance. I do declare as the voice comes right now that your soul says, man, I want that peace. I want that assurance to know that I will not be destroyed because he is my protector. Because something crazy has to happen to a person where they're willing to give it all 
and know that death is imminent, but for some reason they know that that death is not the end, but it's eternal life with him, is truth. A brother shared with me that he's going up to people and saying, do you know what's going to happen to you when you die? And guess what? 100% said they're going to heaven. Yeah, 100%. And he has to tell 99 of the percent, be like, you don't know Jesus. You're not going to heaven. That's rough. And I go to him, I don't know what that is because I haven't been called to that ministry, but how can I support you in that, brother? And he goes, pray with me that God gives me wisdom on what to tell him. So today, if you don't know the Lord, I want to tell you, come to his fortress. He's a river that wants to go through your middle of your soul that brings peace and living waters. Spiritually, you're thirsty. Come and drink. some things right now because and if you bear with us just a little bit if you guys want to hear something I believe there's some powerful words that that Maori shared and I have to I'm just compelled to share something regarding that he spoke about us being still and as we read Psalms 46 we see how the greatness of God, the love of God, the, the power of God consumes um, how he brings his fire. And, and, and I understood that as he was speaking, I understand that the, the voice or the move of God, the fire of God does one of two things. It either comes to consume what we bring or it comes to refine what we bring. And so when we bring that to the Lord, he's going to speak through fire. That's going to be his judgment to us, to what we're bringing to the Lord. How pure is what we're giving to the Lord? Is he going to consume what you bring? Or is, going to re, or is he going to refine what you bring? And I want to take you guys just real quickly to one example of that. And it's in Genesis 11. And you can turn your Bibles there if you want to. But Genesis 11 speaks of the Tower of Babel. And when the people of, of, of God were coming, or the people were coming and, and building up this, this tower because they wanted to reach the heavens. They wanted to do something great. And then it says that, uh, it says, now the whole world, in verse 1, had one language and one common speech. As people moved eastward, they found the plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks, make bricks and bake them thoroughly used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar then they said come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens you see these people were building they were trying to create an elevated place where they can be closer to God but first of all they used the wrong elements they used muck mire which was the tar and they used brittle brick instead of standing on stone or using stone as something that they built upon it's, it's very significant because we see as they tried to create this tower to reach the heavens to do something amazing, it was brought through destruction because if God allowed that to happen in that moment, he would have had to destroy the people and break the promise that he had given Noah. Because remember, this happened after the flood. He promised Noah, he promised Noah that he would never destroy the people again. And as the people built wrongfully, 
had to destroy what they were doing because he says in the verses he says they were going to accomplish what they've said to accomplish and if he allowed it he would have had to bring destruction upon the people now brought now god spoke in that god spoke to people who were trying to create an elevated place by bringing destruction to what they were doing and bringing pain where'd he go <laughs> bringing pain to, upon the people where they thought maybe as a result that they were downcast that what they were doing wasn't enough but when we move to the book of acts and we see um, a group of a hundred over 100 120 people that come to a place and are not trying to build but what they're doing is they're coming together in prayer and lifting up worship to the lord and with lifting up praise to the lord the fire of the lord comes again in forms of tongues and that fire now refines them and all of a sudden they find themselves in an elevated place you see guys his fire is gonna consume what you do or his fire is going to refine what you do and when you become refined by the fire of god you're going to find yourself that all the other things in this in this life all the other things that you've tried to build on all the mire all the muck all the other alternative forms of what you've tried to build in your life they might come to destruction but when you come to him and are refined by god when you come and you establish yourself on the stone on the one thing where we come and we just pray and we lift ourselves to the Lord and we surrender ourselves to the Lord then all of a sudden everything comes to crumble around us we were never shaken see there's a place where earthquakes shake I wrote this there's a place where the earthquakes shaking doesn't move us and there's a place where the mountains destruction doesn't disappoint When we hope in his salvation through a pure and passion, I, I wrote this one time and it came together as he was speaking. When we hope in his salvation, when our hope stands on him through our pure and passionate devotion, because what's coming out of his mouth right now, when he was talking about the hope that he has in seeing his mother-in-law again, that it, that what he's what's pouring out of his heart right there comes from a heart and a life established in pure and passionate devotion that's where we're established when it comes from that place when it comes from that life then we know we're standing on something that nothing is going to destroy us that all of a sudden we're going to find ourselves thinking that oh my gosh lord what are we going to do in this situation but the world crumbles around us and all of a sudden we realize it was so powerful what he was saying that we've actually been elevated all this whole time with God oh that was so so powerful we don't have to feel unstable when the earthquakes come we don't have to be disappointed when the mountains crumble around us all because one thing we didn't have to speak we didn't have to say anything we were still we were still in one place and the fire of the Lord spoke for us and refined us in our process amen I know there's testimonies of that in here I know there's testimonies of us of many of us in here that we were like wow God how are you gonna move what's gonna happen 
But when God finally moved and refined us because we were standing on the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, then all of a sudden, when God moved, we found that whatever the situation was, whatever the outcome of that circumstance, we actually found, found ourselves in an elevated place. Who can testify here? Let's just take some time to worship God right now. Just, just take some time. If you want to come to the front, if you want to come in thanksgiving to the Lord, because I think since the beginning of this worship service, what happened here was that we were coming to glorify Him. And it wasn't, it wasn't from a place of, of instability anymore, but all of a sudden it was a place that it didn't matter anymore. That it wasn't based on circumstance. That we didn't have to do anything else that we can just be still in the presence of God. And I think that was the sweetness of what happened in this place. That we can stand in the presence of God knowing one thing. As long as I am still, your fire will speak for me. Amen. Come on. So let's just, let's just take some time to worship from what happened or what's happening and, what's, and, and what will happen in our lives. That, that destruction around us will happen. But our lives standing on the cheek cornerstone will testify of the fire of the judgment of Christ. That he is with us. And that if they would come to this stone and they would stand. That they wouldn't have to feel destruction, instability. Their, their lives wouldn't feel disappointed anymore. Because our hope is found in the salvation of Christ. And our lives are anchored to that salvation by the devotion and the pure and passionate lifestyle that we've offered him. Come on. Let's sing a song and let's bring our worship unto the Lord. If you come and cry before the Lord, it's because it's a cry of thanksgiving today. If you come before the Lord today and, and you want to come here and, you wanna, and, and, and you're in a situation right now, it's not because you're hoping something's going to happen, but because you've hoped in him and you know that all things work out good the good of those who love Christ come on